Hi, welcome to Matters of the Heart and Soul. I'm your host, Janie Charlotte. Matters of the Heart and Soul is a podcast to raise awareness and awaken humanity to all that is within. We want to be a beacon of light on your life journey. Hey guys, this is your host, Janie Charlotte, and welcome back to another episode of Matters of the Heart and Soul podcast, a podcast where we connect our hearts with our minds and we awaken humanity to everything that is already within. Coming up, guys, is a really good podcast. We are speaking on diversity and inclusion. This is somewhat of a hot topic right now. There's a lot of corporations out there that are really training their employees and their staff on diversity and inclusion. Diversity is any dimension that can be used to differentiate groups and people from one another. Um, You know, this empowers people by respecting and appreciating what makes them different in terms of age, gender, ethnicity, religion, disability, sexual orientation, education, and national origin. Each individual in an organization brings with them a diverse set of perspectives, work and life experiences, as well as religious and cultural differences. And by allowing diversity exploration, you know, it really allows for a more inclusive work environment. Inclusion is any organizational effort and practice that is put in place in which different groups or individuals having different backgrounds are culturally, socially accepted and welcomed and equally treated. All right. The process of inclusion engages each individual and makes people feel valued as being essential to the success of of the organization. And, you know, it's so important that we feel seen and we feel heard no matter what our culture is. Um, And that's so important. And we really wanted to highlight this hot topic on our podcast. So coming up, we speak with Miss Vasheen Barfield. We caught up with her at her home in San Diego, California. Vasheen is now the president of inpatient rehabilitation of post-acute services, and she worked her butt off to get there. So amazing work. Bravo, Vasheen. And she gives us her journey. I mean, she really gives us her story and her experiences um, from her lens and in her point of view in some situations that she felt that she experienced unconscious racism. Um, And so it's so important that we truly, truly become conscious. We become aware. We awaken to all of this. Things that have been, you know, once hidden, we are now awakening to it. So I think it's a really good treat. I think she gives some amazing advice to those that's about to blaze the path into occupational therapy or healthcare for that matter. It's very important to be a very culturally sensitive healthcare provider, a very conscious healthcare provider. So check it out, guys. Um, And I'll see you at the end.
Hey guys, welcome to Matters of the Heart and Soul Podcast. My name is Janie Charlo, your host, and welcome back to another episode. So we are talking with Ms. Vasheen Barfield out in her home out there in San Diego, California. So welcome to the podcast, Vasheen. Thank you. Thank you, Janie. Um, And I'm so excited to be here today. So thank you for having me. Yes. So guys, today we are talking about a pretty hot topic. We are talking about diversity and inclusion. Um, I mean, we're seeing it everywhere. We have a lot of corporate corporate companies. They are starting to roll this out in their training with their employees. And um, Vasheen has a really great testimony Um, about her own triumph and journey through diversity and inclusion. So we're going to chat with her about that. And we're all about not just talking about problems on this podcast. We want to talk about problems, but we also want to talk about solutions. So a lot of the reason why I bring anyone on this podcast is so that their story can serve as a testimony, but also bring enlightenment to situations and also solutions and and serve as um, some type of inspiration for people that may be on that road behind them. All right. So diversity mm-hmm. in any dimension is basically about empowering people by respecting and appreciating what makes them different. All right. In terms of age, gender, ethnicity, religion, sexual orientation, education, or national origin. And inclusion is an organizational effort and practice in which different groups or individuals having different backgrounds are culturally and socially accepted. So that's what this is about. So Vasheen, tell us a little bit about yourself and being an occupational therapist, because that's what the journey is about. Yes, and once again, I'm, I'm really excited to be here today to talk about myself, to talk about my journey um, as an occupational therapist. Um, I became an occupational therapist in um, December 2002, um, to be precise. So, um, and like I said, whenever I graduated, it was truly, I felt like I was walking into heaven <laughs> after what I had experienced. So, um, you know, but once again, I, I'm an occupational therapist. I received my master's degree at Texas Women's University um, in Dallas, Texas. Um, but I do want to say that just even going to occupational therapy or getting accepted into occupational therapy school was um, definitely not easy. Um, you know, and I'm not embarrassed to tell anyone I actually applied at least I think it could have been a total of four times because one of those times I was just so determined that, you know, I'm going to get in. I even tried at an associate level. Mm -hmm. And um, even though I I could have graduated from a bachelor's program or a master's program, I can remember before I applied for the master's program, I applied for an associate's program because I had already applied three different times in Louisiana to get my bachelor's in it. And I was turned down each time. Um, My GPA was um, 3.98, 3.99. I kept thinking, why why is it that I keep getting, you know, rejection letters? Um, I would go, you know, to these board meetings to uh, interview to get in and I would answer all of the questions. You know, I was told you answered all of the questions correct, but we actually chose um, those that were like 4.0 and above. 
Mm-hmm. And, but then it was interesting because I knew other people, other non-Black um, students that were applying. They was like, girl, I had a 3.5. Mm. Girl, I had a 3.4. And so it was very disturbing to me. So, um, but I didn't stop. You know, I do want to just mention that I, I didn't stop. I kept praying about it. And my mom was like, you know what, if, if God has it for you, you're going to make it. If this is, if, if this is for you, don't give up. So, um, and I can remember having a dream the day before I received a rejection letter. I can remember having a dream that I got into occupational therapy school, Hmm. but then when I went and um, checked the mailbox, you know, I didn't get it. And that's when I applied at an associate level. And my mom then was like, you know what, Vashina, that's just God letting you know, he has it for you, but maybe not at that level. Mm -hmm. And she was like, don't stop. And so I can remember crying and I was like, you know what? The dream seemed as if it was real. I cannot tell you how real it it seemed to me at the time. So I didn't, you know, I found out that um, occupational therapy transitioned to a master's program. And so um, I applied for it as a master's program. I completed my um, bachelor's degree. I read up on what you need to do for an occupational um, therapist is at master's level. I took all those courses. And do you know what? I got in. I mean, it was in Texas. <laughs> I ended up relocating to Texas because um, at the time I had I was engaged and of getting married. Um, but my first time applying at a master's level, I ended up, you know, it was just like the dream. It was literally just like the dream I had wow. and I got accepted. That's interesting. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I want to back up a little bit because um, I have a little bit of statistics as far as occupational therapy. Um, I'm in the healthcare field and I didn't even realize how uh, the occupational therapy field is, it lacks a lot of diversity. So um, these statistics come from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics as of 2019. So it is definitely way far more females in the field than males, okay? Now, there are 80% white. Um, They come in first. There is then... Coming in second is Asian at 6.6%, all right? Then third is Blacks, which is 6.23%. And then fourth is two or more races, which is 1.56%. So you could see that in um, basically in almost an all-white female field. Yes. In healthcare. Yes. And And tell us in, Mm -hmm. in the healthcare team, what does an occupational therapist do? Um, That's actually one of the one things that um, I love about occupational therapy. So when it comes to occupational therapy um, in comparison to physical therapy and speech therapy, we truly cross over between them all. Um, Like with occupational therapy, I used to always try to shorten the definition for patients. And so I would tell them, you know, I'm here, I'm your occupational therapist. And as far as what I do is, you know, I'm here to make you as independent and as safe as as possible and as functional as possible. And we support um, patients across the lifespan. I mean, from like we always say zero to a hundred plus. Occupational therapy can intervene in multiple forms. Um, We support a lot in schools um, from a pediatric standpoint all the way up to high school and then some, because once again, we help individuals be as independent, as safe, and as functional as possible. 
So that also involves mental health. You have a lot of occupational therapists that work in the mental health field with behavioral health um, in addition to that. You have a lot of us that work in um, um, not just schools, but even on a corporate level with work hardening, trying to make sure that people are positioned well so they're, they're not getting carpal tunnel you know, or other positioning deficits. Um, you see us a lot, of course, in like hospital settings, inpatient and outpatient rehabilitation, as well as home health. But in essence, we work with patients, um, individuals, um, students to make sure that they are as independent as possible within their um, activities of daily living, as well as social skills. And sometimes people forget about that. You know, social skills are huge. I mean, even when you think about kids with autism, um, a lot of what we work on is making sure that, you know, they can be independent and present, you know, as people say, as normal as possible um, from a social standpoint. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, <clears throat> uh, very, important, we, we really very, over. very mm -hmm. important. Um, so now that we know what you guys do, let's talk about diversity and inclusion. Um with it being 80% white, with it being majority yes. female, what obstacles have you had in your journey to where you are? Which I understand now you are vice president of inpatient rehabilitation. Is that right? Well, actually president, actually president is interesting. President. They hired me. Yes, so they I interviewed Good for the for vice you. president position. And then, thank you, thank you so much. And so I'm, I'm really excited, I cried. <laughs> Yes. Because I interviewed for the vice president position and within them hiring me initially and getting to know more about me, all of the changes, um, all of the programs I created within the first couple of months, they changed my role and, and progressed me to the president of long-term care services. Way to go, so, bravo, um, bravo. Yes, thank you. Yes. I, so I let's won't lie. talk about what it took to get here to where you are. Um, and like I said, being with it 80% white female, what are the obstacles that you had to deal with? Um, that's definitely a loaded, a loaded question. Um, I know. But it's, it's a question that honestly, I feel like anyone in my position feels like is like the number one question to ask someone like me. Um, I feel like I had to go through a lot of obstacles. I had to, you know, jump through a lot of hoops and also at different times I had to make sure I worked at least 50% harder than my peers because it was like a no excuse situation um, whereas someone else that was non-black you know they can say you know what this weekend I took a break and slept over if I if I said something like that what would be questioned is well did you get you know a number of projects completed you know or someone else you know, they can say, well, I don't want to travel, you know, tomorrow. If I stated that, they're like, well, is this position, do you feel like you can um, handle this position? So for me, it was a no, no type of excuse. I always had to work, you know, like harder than anyone else. And, I, and for me, I had to truly go up the ladder as slow as possible <clears throat> than my peers. I mean, I knew people that I trained as a rehab director, they progressed from being a rehab director to a vice president. Whereas myself, I went, I, every, every step up the ladder, I had to basically go through from becoming a lead occupational therapist to a director of rehab, 
an area rehab director, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a regional um, director, a vice president, then a president, mm -hmm. you know, but like I said, I know people younger than me. I know people that I trained and they just were referred up the ladder because they knew someone, mm -hmm. you know, <clears throat> I didn't feel like it was appropriate because I kept thinking about all the blood, sweat and tears, all the extra jobs I had to take on doing other others work, you know, so that they can have a, a, a less load. I had to do all of that just to show that, you know, I'm capable. Do you feel, and these were your white peers? Do you feel like? Exactly. Okay. Did you? They were my white peers. Okay. Oh, you, I'm sorry. Um, that's okay. Did you experience any specific racial remarks? Yes. At different times I did. Um, I think the number one racial remark that I would get in, in different settings was, wow, how did you get this position? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking I applied. Mm -hmm. just like hopefully you apply for the position so they would say things like that or if I were to defend myself it was not I'm defending myself because you asked me a question and and you asked me a question then you assumed what the response was and if I defended myself because I didn't get a chance to basically respond also oh, you have an attitude you know, most, and I've had people say, well, most people like you all catch an attitude or the number one for females. Um, oh, I'm, so you guys don't like getting your hair, hair wet. And I'm like, what do you mean, you guys? What does that refer to? I've gotten that so many times. Oh, when it's raining. Oh, I'm sure Vashina doesn't want to get her hair wet. Well, why doesn't Becky, what's the issue? Why is it Vashina? Why isn't Becky? Because any position that I was in, if it was an area level or regional level, I was the only black. Mm -hmm. So any upper management position I had, I was always the only black. So whenever I attended those meetings, it's just me. It could be 20 people and I'm the one black person in the room. Mm -hmm. So of course, everyone's looking at me like, wow, wow, how did you get here? And I'm thinking, how did you get here? Mm -hmm. You know, so it came in different forms you know, the eyes looking at me in a certain way when I walked in the room to sitting down to asking me if my hair was real. And I'm like, why didn't you ask someone else if their hair is real, mm -hmm. you know, or trying to touch my hair? Like, wow, that look, that's great. That feels real. How do you know it's not real? I'm not touching your hair, mm -hmm. you know? And then I've had people ask me, you know, how does it feel? I don't mean to offend you, but how does it feel? You're like the only black person in the room. Hmm. You know, so I've gotten a lot. I mean, even worse than that, you know, well, talking about the way I speak, you know, my accent, you know, I have another black friend. She's, she talks just like you, you know, where are you from? You know, so mm -hmm. sometimes it's not even apologetic. It's just mm -hmm. put out there and it's like, oh, I'm just supposed to accept this. Or you want to ask me a lot of black related types of questions. What is you know. your, yeah, what is your opinion on unconscious racism? Um, I, I don't like it, honestly, because you can see it. Mm -hmm. um, it speaks, it speaks out, speaks volumes. Because um, ultimately it starts like, like unconscious, like they're, they act like they don't know, but then they treat you different. Mm -hmm. You know, it, anything I say, oh, she has an attitude. Mm -hmm. I have an attitude. I answered the question just like the person next to me that's white, but because I answer the question, I have an attitude, you know? Yeah.
or I'm being a dictator. That's another big one that I have found whenever I've had to oversee, like even currently now, all of my staff, they're white. Mm-hmm. So I had a position like this a year ago and, and here I am coming in, I'm, I'm a black manager and I'm overseeing a white team. As soon as I asked them to share my, their schedules with me, their calendar, it was reported. I was reported saying that I was a dictator. I'm asking them to share their calendars and tell me what their plans are for the week. Mm-hmm. So it was, and I honestly could not believe it because I made that request. I was reported to human resources as a dictator. But the reason I did that, whenever I was trained by my my white cohort, they were like, you need to make sure that all of your staff share their calendars with you and report to you where they are for the week since all of us travel. So I found that, you know, quite interesting and alarming that all of my white peers, you know, with this role, this is what they do on a day to day. But because I requested it, I'm a dictator. Hmm. So, and that's what I've gotten. (laughs) Uh, how has this affected you personally in your own identity um being the only black in the room I'll be honest it's been very stressful it's been very emotional um being the black in the room I feel like of course I'm being watched everything I say it's like um I've been told before by a manager to say less because you know, if I speak and it's more than what my manager knows, then she will get offended. Mm. So it's like, I feel like, okay, now I have to say less, um, you know, even if I don't dumb down who you are. Yes. That's what I've had to do. Everything. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's then that has been the hardest thing for me because, you know, I have a voice, Mm. you know, and I've transitioned for, from some companies because you can do that for so long. You know, because I would ask friends for advice. I was like, girl, you know what? You have a great position. You know, they're paying for you to travel. You know, forget it. Just go, you know, just go with the flow. You know, if they don't want you to speak as much. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, you don't know how hard that is. Right. You know, when when you come from a mother that has always told you, you know, to, you know, forge your way, you know, um, in business, be men. You know, uh, if it's something, you know, don't hold back for somebody else to feel better because you're making them feel like they're smarter. So for me, I, I tried it. I can never forget. I'm like, I tried it. I'm like, you know what? I have a daughter. I need to support my daughter. So, and yes, I need this job. And I would pray about it, but it got to a point to where, you know what? I can't sit here and say less. All I'm supposed to do is sit in the room and smile. And I would, I actually had a coworker tell me um, whenever I was answering a lot of questions, people were coming to me in the break. Oh, Vashina, we would love to connect with you. My coworker said, you need to allow other people to speak. You know, we have customers in the room. She was like, you don't have to always be the person to have the answer. And I looked and I, and I felt very offended and in very, you know, I was like, it kind of hurt me a little bit mm-hmm. because I thought this was someone that I could trust. And here we go again. Vashina has to dumb herself down. Vashina has to not speak. I can be seen and cordial, but I can't be seen as one of the smartest people in the room. Basically, Mm -hmm. that's what they didn't want it to appear as if I was one of the smartest people in the room as well. Mm -hmm. So I've been told multiple times to basically say less. 
So, and my, my uh, question is, there's one thing when you're dealing with just being the only black in the room, but the only black female among all other white females. So what can you say in regards to that in, in working with black females of your counterpart and then white females? Um, how, what is, what has been your experience in that? They're, they're watching me all the time. Um, Your and white it's crazy. Correct. <laughs> yes, my white counterpart. So when Do it comes to my white support when you're with other black women in your in your area when you're working. Sometimes, but I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes other black women in the room they don't want to speak, or they it's almost like they're also they're playing that role of you know what I'm just going to be here, you know at least I'm here but I'm not gonna team with you. You know, I'm going to team with what's, what's seen as the, the best option, you know, just to be a part of the team. So I, I won't, now personally, they'll walk up to me when no one else is around and say, girl, that was a great response. Mm-hmm. However, when I'm making the response, I'm speaking up and, you know, the white counterparts are looking, I don't get the amens, you know, or like, you know what, I agree with her. You know, mm-hmm. you know who I do often get that from? I'll get that from other white people that are not a part of the group as, oh, she's not going to appear like she's smarter than me. Mm-hmm. You know, I will have other white counterparts to say, you know what? I agree with Fashina. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes I want to hear that from us. It's like, don't be afraid to support me because, you know, I'm black and it's, it's maybe two of us here. You know, Mm -hmm. don't be afraid to support me and be on my side just because the majority are white. Mm -hmm. We can form together publicly, you know, and not fear being ousted by the group when you get back home, you know, and and I'm really passionate about this because I've experienced that a lot. I'm thinking we can at least support each other Mm -hmm. openly Mm -hmm. because I do that. You know, I, I don't mind supporting my my black sister you know or another minority in the room you know I'm not there just to just I'm gonna just be a part of the group and I'm not gonna say anything no that's not why I'm here Mm -hmm. so it's it's been it's been a challenge I can't tell you how big of a challenge that has been and I would like to see more of us especially in the healthcare field and we're in these conferences we need to team together I've seen I, I would say maybe just a little bit more but mm-hmm. not enough, mm-hmm. not enough when you have our white counterparts looking at us and don't want us to speak at all. Wow. Um, what impact do you feel it has on, on, on the patients you serve, um, mm-hmm. your occupational therapy patients in their healing when they are being taken care of by someone in the healthcare team that looks like them? 90% of the time, um, they love it. Mm-hmm. They love it. Like, oh, honey, I'm so glad you're here. Mm-hmm. You know, or sometimes they say, well, 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 I know you'll know where I'm coming from. Um, it's only been like maybe a 10% of the population. And they're like, where's the little white girl at? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Like they don't, they don't have confidence in me yeah. that I can take care of them. Have, so, has, and I'm like, has any patients refused your care? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started off as an occupational therapist, that happened a lot. Um, the majority, you know, white would do that. Um, I've never had a black patient to refuse, but I've had them question everything I did. So 
you know, which sometimes can be even worse. So I'm trying to treat you and you're questioning like, do I know what I'm doing? You know, did I go to school? I'm thinking, yes, I'm thinking you should trust me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm thinking you should trust me, but sometimes it's like, they feel like they want someone else because they feel like they know more because they're white. Yeah. You know, so. If you were putting together a, a diversity and inclusion program right mm-hmm. now, what recommendations would you make? I would definitely, um, I would recommend everyone review different cultures. Mm-hmm. When I was in occupational therapy school, we had to purchase this book. It was about this, I would say about this tall, maybe this narrow. And within it, now I see the purpose of it. Mm-hmm. Then I kind of questioned it a little bit. I was like, people are reading this and they may form, you know, opinions or, you know, but I can remember my instructor telling me you need to like what they may dislike. And um, I feel like that's important. You know, people need to know other cultures and other backgrounds so that we can understand each other, you Mm -hmm. know, versus just making assumptions about things because now you don't have that. And I really appreciate every, you know, these different companies, including more diversity and inclusion. Whenever I was hired by this last company um, that I had to honest complain about racism, I had to report my manager um, for some racist remarks and the way she treated me. Um, She actually hired me and said, well, I want you to be on the diversity and inclusion committee. Mm. I was like, that's interesting. I found out I was the first black she had ever hired Mm. as well. Mm -hmm. So she wanted me to oversee the committee, but she questioned almost everything I did. And what I wanted was awareness, awareness of different cultures, you know, of different experiences, appreciation of different cultures, you know, the, the different months, you know, not just you know, February, you know, how we have you know, appreciation of bl- black history, but there are other like Asian histories, not just black, everybody, mm-hmm. you know, it should exactly. be an awareness and we should appreciate all people. So I feel like that's important. We, it, it shouldn't just be one type of history. It should be all histories and all cultures, you know, and I feel like people should be able to voice opinions. If you go to human resources to talk about an event that you experienced, you should be able to trust human resources to follow up, you know, mm-hmm. unbiased. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I feel like that's an area, you know, because what from what I experienced, the human re- the human resources, I'm sorry, they were not unbiased. They actually yeah. just took the yeah. side of my manager. So I feel like definitely culture awareness, um, you know, being able to break that down, management trainings on culture awareness. How to follow up with different cultures, I think is huge. Every, I mean, everybody is truly not the same. We want the same respect, but you have to be honest. Everybody, we're all not the same. You know, I remember looking up like in Hispanic culture, whenever their loved ones are sick, they don't cut their hair. I can't say all of them do that, but there was a big part of it. Like they grow their hair out really long during the process. But those are some things people need to be aware of. You know, because even within cultures, different foods may mean different things. But if you don't know that, and if we're not making, you know, trying to learn about different cultures, how will we know? And how will you respect other people? You know, when certain people need a certain time off because of their spiritual beliefs, 
you know, I think that should be known and people should respect that. So to have a diversity and inclusion program, you have to know those things. And then you have to want to include, you know, not just a certain group of people, you know, you have to include all groups of people because it's not just a one race. So that's what I would suggest. That's great input. Um, What strides would you like to see happen right now? I mean, you're embarking as a president um, in occupational therapy. Moving forward, like from this day forward, what would you like to see happen in occupational therapy? Like I was very oblivious to how non-diverse you know, that part of the healthcare field is, and, you know, you are, you're, you're, you're teaching people every day about their daily activities, how to get back to work, how to be independent, how to wash their dishes, how to, you know, make their beds, all of those things. So it's almost like you guys kind of have that last touch on the patient. If they've been in some type of acute care trauma situation, you're kind of the last person to touch on that patient before they they leave out into the world mm-hmm. or back to their world. So what would you like to, to see moving forward or what are your plans? What do you plan to implement moving forward? Um, no, this is a great question. Because I'm always telling my friends that have, you know, never experienced management or have given up. I want us to raise our hands more. You know, I want us to not be afraid to to volunteer more or mm. speak up. I think that's where it lies, honestly. I think it's like, speak I agree. Up. Yeah, you know, don't I agree. be afraid. Yeah. Don't, don't be afraid to let people know. I know a lot. Yeah. You know, I can be the smartest person in the room if you allow me to. So I really want us to like speak up, raise our hands, apply, not just one time, keep applying. And I would like for the field to be aware that, you know, we're here, you know, we can be progressed (laughs) to to higher roles as well. We don't want to just be the staff occupational therapist our entire career. You know, we're, we're great at managing. We're great at you know, even if it uh, requires delegation. Um, I feel like we, as a people, we have to speak up because I know too many people like, you know, I want to do it. I'm just nervous. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you have all the skills, you know, apply and don't just apply in your area, apply other places. It's been rare that I've applied whenever I was living in Texas, Mm -hmm. I applied all across the U.S. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's like, take that leap forward and put your, put your hands up and don't stop there. And if, if you don't get the position, don't be afraid to ask why, you know, what were you looking for? What can I work on myself so that next time I apply for a role like this, you know, that I can be chosen. So, but just don't be afraid to speak up. That's what I want to see more because whenever I'm hiring different regionals or area directors, I'll be honest, I don't receive applications or resumes from, you know, our population, from Black people. Mm -hmm. So I would love to see more of that. Mm -hmm. How long have you been in the field? Um, Over 20 years now. Wow. These are really, really, um, it's just great input. What advice would you give a graduating high school person or someone, you know, that's wanting to embark on occupational therapy. 
or someone that's graduating and just about to start their journey, what advice would you give to maneuver um, through the field as a minority, as a Asian and African and a minority? Um, and I'm, I'm saying that because this field really is 80% yes. white female. It is. So and you're going to see um, that. <laughs> and I want to keep saying that because, yes. you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know? Yeah. Um, so what advice would you give someone about to make that journey? My After 20 is, years of, of doing this. Yes. Um, and, and thank you for asking me that. Um, number one, again, use your voice, <laughs> mm-hmm. be the voice, speak up. If you know an answer, if you have a, a great idea, please put that idea out there. I really feel like that's why a lot of people, maybe not, they don't recognize us because we have ideas, but we don't speak up. And so in going into this field, I can remember writing a paper about the occupational therapy manager. I knew I wanted to progress. My goal was always to progress in the field. Um, I always tell my daughter, she was when she was young, she would say, oh, I'm thinking about being a nurse. I would say nurse practitioner. (laughs) She was like, I'm thinking about being a teacher. I would say superintendent until she finally grew. And she was like, mom, I know what you're saying. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) You know, so go into this field knowing, you know, hopefully you want to progress, um, you know, and be one of those people that will forge your way into, you know, a society, you know, um, into our profession that you don't want to just be a staff therapist. You know, you do want to progress, but the only way to do it, you all, you have to use your voice and don't stop. And something I learned to do is, you know, when when people didn't want to train me, oftentimes I would volunteer to do tasks that was outside of my current knowledge so that I can learn. Mm-hmm. And then that's how I progress to my next level. Yeah. Um, because I would, I would won't, I'll put my hand up sometimes, but it will be given to someone else. I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to volunteer to help someone else that's doing this somewhere else so I can learn from them. And now I have those skills because yeah. I'm volunteering, I'm learning the task, I'm doing it. And so now it's on my resume. So how can you reject me when I can show you that I can do these skills that I'm currently in and higher skills. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. You know, and don't be afraid to leave a to leave a company that does not want to progress you. I would not be where I am today if I didn't if I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's great advice and um mm-hmm. I think you are so right. You have to take ownership of your education, of your skill set and everywhere you want to be. You have to take ownership and there's always a way around it. And like that she said, it's like volunteer. If you truly want to get those skills under your belt, volunteer. Um, There's a lot of people that's going to want some free help out here for sure. Um, I I also want to ask you, what advice could you give right now to anyone that may be in the medical field that is having some issues with diversity and inclusion, you know, whether it's occupational therapist, whether it's a nurse, whether it's, Mm -hmm. you know, anybody, and they're the, the, they're the oddball, you know, they're the only black, they're the only Asian, they're the only Mexican, and they are feeling some kind of way. 
how, what advice would you give them right now to maneuver this situation? Um, some advice I would give one, um, if, especially if they feel like they're being harassed, I've had situations in the past where I, I can remember when I was, um, a younger clinician and I, I was getting those microaggressions, like statements, to, you know, people were saying to me and I didn't say anything about it. And I would go home and it would just make me feel horrible. And so I started to try to avoid those people until I couldn't. And mm -hmm. I remember just leaving, you know, I was like, you know what, I don't have to take this. Um, you know, I didn't want to report it at the time. And so I can remember leaving a company because of it. Now, what I regret at that situation is I didn't report it. So, because from that moment on, I told myself, you know what, I'm not going to live in fear. If they're that bold, you know, to either try to harass me or, you know, make these racial statements or, you know, look at me a certain way, then I'm reporting it. I'm reporting it to my supervisor first to see if they'll intervene. And if they don't, then I go to human resources. So, you know, you, you have to use, use your voice, you know, and report things that you see, because the number one thing that human resources will say, if you leave the company and you're like, well, you, you know, if you say, oh, this is a horrible company, they'll say, well, you didn't report it. You didn't tell anybody, anybody about it, you know, and don't be afraid. Like if you're in a situation where you can transfer to a different department where you feel like you'll progress, request a transfer mm -hmm. and tell them specifically why. You know, because the one thing that people thrive on is you not using your voice. Mm. So when you don't use your voice, you lose your power. Mm. And that's what you, I want everybody to understand. Your voice is your power. You know, how you speak and support yourself, that's how you grow. And that's the only way you grow in this field in mm. every way possible. When defending yourself or reporting what's happening, when you want to progress in this field, I would suggest that to anyone in healthcare, use your voice, you know, and don't, don't be afraid to put your hand up and don't be afraid to transfer, you know. But once again, when you don't use your voice, that's when people take away your power. Mm -hmm. So I can't emphasize that enough. Yes. Great advice. Use your voice. Yes. So let's talk about what you're doing now. Um, tell us a little bit about your business, uh, what you provide and how our listeners can, can get your products. Okay. Um, so on a personal level, <laughs> my company is called um, Amory Scrubs, Amory Scrubs and more. I'm very excited about that because um, Amory Scrubs is a product that, that I have actually two patents pending for. Um, they're one piece scrubs. And I always get the question, like, how do you put them on if they're one piece? <laughs> so, yeah. and some people tell me, well, actually they look like two pieces. And I'm like, thank you. That was the mm -hmm. goal. I want them to look like two pieces, um, but they're easy to put on and off. Um, like I said, it's something that, you know, I'm very proud of because I was working on it for like several years before I, you know, was able to get them manufactured. Um, if you would like to, um, you know, shop with us, um, support us, the website is Amory Scrubs and More, and that's with the, it's A-N-D. So Amory Scrubs and More.com or Amory Scrubs and More.net. 
Um, we have all different colors. We have different sizes. So um, please tell a friend. Um, I would love to see you in our scrubs. I would love for you to take pictures in our scrubs. Um, Jamie looks amazing in our scrubs. Yep. You'll be able to see <laughs> so, me in the black on my Instagram and Facebook. Yep. Uh, but yes, you can find us on Instagram and, and Facebook. So um, please shop with us. Once again, we're Amory Scrubs and more. And um, I would love, love to send you a pair of our scrubs. So thank yes. you so much, Jamie. Good stuff. So Vashin, we are almost getting to the end uh, as far as time, but I have just a few more questions. Okay. Um, what book can you recommend to our readers and why? Let me see. Um, I would recommend your book, Jane. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I would, um, with, especially with the topic, um, you know, it's when talking about emotions, um, whenever I, I, I was reading your book and I was thinking about, you know, sometimes we put emotions into decisions where those emotions may not be there. That's, you true. know, right. Like I was talking about, um, let's just say I didn't get a position and sometimes, and which I've seen this, like if you, if you don't get a, a position, then people just stop. They, they leave it there. They become yeah. depressed. It's like that rejection becomes their everything. Then they yeah. start feeling like, um, they're no good. They're worthless. And it was like that decision. We shouldn't put that emotion in those exactly. decisions. Yeah. You know, even though that was the decision, it doesn't mean that we're a horrible person. We'll exactly. never progress. We yeah. weren't the best fit for the position. They just chose someone else. I mean, I exactly. apply for positions and then they'll come back and tell me later, oh, but she didn't, wasn't you. We had to hire from within. So, you know, exactly. but if I would have allowed that decision to change my mood, make me depressed, you know, or I would just be, have become stagnant, then where would I be? You know, exactly. so it's yeah. not these decisions in our lives that we should put emotions into, yeah. you know, we should still continue to build ourselves up. So I, lo I love your book. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was a really great read and I was telling other friends about it, you know, like we, we have to stop putting emotions in decisions or thing we see, things we see. Yeah. We build our own emotions around things that happen to us, but mm -hmm. everything, and I think it's a quote, what is it about? You know, life is about it's not about how you, is it how you react to it? Um, yeah, you want me. to be able to respond and not react. Um, yes. And so that yes. takes time, right? That takes a, a conscious a, a conscious way of looking at it and saying, mm -hmm. okay, it just wasn't for me. This job just wasn't for exactly. me. And even a step further, the title that comes along with that job does not define me. So yes. Vashina is vice president of occupational um, inpatient rehab, right? At the end of the day, you go home and that does not define who you are. Exactly. That is a hat exactly. that you wear. Mm -hmm. That is yes. something you go do for eight hours, but mm -hmm. who you are, who the substance, the character, what makes you, your experiences, your spirit, that is, is, that's not your title. Yes, I totally agree. And I always tell people I'm totally different outside of work. 
you know, and they're always like, oh, you're so focused. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm totally different because I'm yep. at work. This is not my, my total me. Yeah. You know, you're seeing me at work, but when I'm outside of work, I'm different. I used to yep. joke and say, whenever I'm uh, Monday through Friday, you know, I'm the Sheena on the weekends. I'm just Sheena. I'm just, I'm like, I'm just <laughs> yeah. Sheena. And, you and know, it's and it's the emotional it's intelligence to realize yes. that these are mm -hmm. all really just hats that we wear and it, yes. it still doesn't define who we really are, you know, because yes. even if I would have never known you as vice president, I know who you are. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I, I know exactly. I, I can say that she's ambitious. And one thing, mm -hmm. ambitions never die with ambitious people. So exactly. I just look forward to seeing the next steps for you because I could already see it. There's a lot of light around you. And thank you. Just, thank you. I could already see it. You know, I told you this before. This is just your coming out story. This is just the beginning. This is just the coming out story. So yes. that's good stuff. But the book is good. Seven Steps to Mastering Emotions. <laughs> yes. I loved it. I yeah. loved it. It was great. Good. I'm glad. And that's what it's about. It's really just about, um, gaining awareness uh, and realizing that we don't realize the stories that we play over and over in our head because somebody will get rejected from that interview and they will go home and think that that is their identity. I'm a reject. I'm a failure. I didn't fit the par. You know what I'm saying? And yes. you can't do that. All right. Last question. What is the current matter of your heart? Um, just however you want to answer that. I would say the current matter of my heart is um, definitely spreading my wings. Um, you know, being the best me I can be is what I always say. And it's crazy. Like at work, my coworkers are always asking me, so you're single, you're single. You know, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm living my life. You know, my daughter just graduated from college. Do you know how excited I am about that? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not focused on, you know, my single status. I'm not right. focused on that. I'm really focused on the fact that, you know, I raised a, a great young lady, um, you know, to be a woman. I'm focused on, you know, yes, I'm an empty nester, but there's so many things I want to learn how to do. So the focus of my heart is more so how can I be the best me? Yes. How can I try new things? And I'm, I'm a person that I like to encourage other people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm one of those people that I would probably, I'm like, I love public speaking. Mm -hmm. um, I love encouraging people. And, and, I, and I often see um, people that, you know, are minority and I'm always trying to encourage them to do more. Don't yeah. just stay in this position unless you truly want to just be in this position. Yeah. you know, but you can grow. So what I try to do is impact people around me because I feel like God has blessed me in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I used to get so stressed and emotional about what has happened to me in my career, but I never allowed it to stop me. So because I finally, like I'm in the position I am right now, I'm not going to stop, you know? So yes, I'm president, you know, I interviewed for vice president. They made me their president. And so I'm like, oh, I want to take it further. You know, if I can, to be honest with you, Janie, I'm like, I want to be in a movie. I'm like, I'm like, how can I, I'm like, 
I, I want to, can Tyler Perry hire me? Because <laughs> I feel like I've been practicing on the weekends and I feel like, you know, I can, you know, act from certain degrees. Yep. I, I've definitely had to live it in life, experiencing yeah. different emotions, sometimes holding back because I didn't want people to, you know, see that they've hurt me because, yep. you know what, I'm going to still push forward. I'm like, after going through all of that, I feel like Tyler Perry needs to call me. <laughs> Yeah. And you know, you know, you could do whatever you want. And I tell people yeah. you could do that at any time in your life that you want. You could be 70 years old and decide, I want to do whatever. You could do mm -hmm. that anytime you want to. That's the beauty of of being human beings. And really your mindset is your soil. So whatever you plant in it is what's gonna grow. So you just mm -hmm. have to see yourself, girl, acting. Yes. on Tyler Perry that's it that's all you have yes. to do and it, and it will it will it has to pass it has yes. to pass that's true that's I it. will be honest I've tried dming him a few times <laughs> so I'm just waiting for him to respond to me hey keep me posted okay I told you ambitions never die with ambitious people it's true yes so and I, I like believe the it. fact that you could be whatever version of yourself at any time you want to as well. Yes, I totally agree with it. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. So, and so I feel like any, I've, I've been doing that. <laughs> yes. Um, mm -hmm. Vashin, any last remarks you just want to leave with our listeners? Um, I, I think just my biggest emphasis is, you know, please don't be afraid um, to to use your voice and let people know, I know more than you think I know. I may have been sitting here quiet, mm. but I'm really like a ticking time bomb, you know, in an essence. Yeah. There's lots of people that just because they don't speak up, it doesn't mean that they don't know anything. Like they say, you know, silence is golden because sometimes people are holding a gold mine, yeah. you know, in their laps up yeah. here. You just don't know it until they get ready to put it out there. Yeah. So, so please, you know, don't always be silent every time because you just never know when you may get skipped over because sometimes people don't know what you know, you know, so it's not always great to be silent. You know, when people know what you know, they're like, I want her. I mean, the company that um, chose me for this position, they actually told me when I was a vice president for another company, I used to do a lot of webinars. They were like, we loved listening to you speak. Mm -hmm. And they were like, we were hoping you were open for a new opportunity. I was like, oh my God, that made, yeah. that was everything to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. use your voice. Yeah. That's good stuff, guys. Uh, that's about time that we have today. We just finished talking with Ashim Barfield on diversity and inclusion. And she has an amazing journey up until where she is now as president of uh, occupational therapy, inpatient rehab. Uh, Vashin is out there in San Diego, California. Check out her scrubs, Amory scrubs and more. Um, follow her on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, Vashin, I just wanna say that um, I'm grateful to know you. Thank you. Um, I, I see so much light. Uh, you want to spread your wings and it's about to happen. Like, I do believe literally anything that you want to do right now is about to manifest. 
So just keep, keep, (laughs) like you said, keep your voice, keep, keep saying whatever you have to say, um, and keep the right soil in your mindset. And I have no doubt. I'm just, you know, I always love to see um, what people do after the podcast because I see so many people, like I always see people after this podcast doing Mm -hmm. crazy stuff, writing books, doing things. And sometimes I always be like, dang, it was like an initiation or something. So I look forward to seeing that. Um, Matters of the Heart and Soul podcast is a podcast inspired by love, God, relationships, spirituality, justice, culture, family, children, finances, freedom, personal growth, energy and vibrations, masculine and feminine energy, music and all things of the heart and soul. This is how we connect our hearts with our minds. Our mission is to awaken humanity to everything that is already within you. All right, guys. Love this it. Is it. Take care. Thanks, Fashin. Thank you. Have a great day.